Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bottle of control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. Eddie wants to slap the bag. So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money, start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Cheers, I feel much better now. Cheers. <laughs> wow, that was heavy. Boom! <laughs> hey, welcome everybody. Blockchain booze number 83. What's up, dude? What's I up? My Hello. Thanks for joining us. Can wait, can you answer one question for me before we get started? What's your favorite NFT? Which one you like? He has a few NFTs. Oh, but which one's your favorite? I think, I think the one that, that, that we did plants. Plants one. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Nice. Right. Thanks. It's coming down sometime. We'll, we'll have to post them. Nice. I can't wait. You bet. Maybe you can come on the show and uh, tell us about it. Yeah. Or uh, shoot me a note. We can get you a collaboration with poopoo.eth. Wow. That's, uh, that's He's my so son. Excited. He ran, he's running around now. Nice. Hey, so welcome everybody. Blockchain booze number 83. I know a ton of you are back in the uh, in the chat already. Thank you for joining us. Praveen gets a gold medal for being first in the chat. Um, Teddy uh, said, and a very merry boom to you too. So thank you for joining us, everyone backstage and uh, throw questions in the Q&A for this group. It's going to be a good one. If you aren't backstage, you're watching on Twitter or LinkedIn or uh, YouTube, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io and you can hang out with us live and ask questions um, in the QA, hang out with the crew. And when we're done, you could turn on your camera and hang out with us too uh, back uh, at these tables uh, at in about... 55 minutes. Um, but we've got a great crew. We're live streaming on Lunar Crush. We're uh, reposting this uh, after the fact on Blockchain Radio. So thank you to them as well. But let's uh, jump in. Uh, warm welcome to Michael Wu. This is your first time on Blockchain Booze. Thank you for joining us. And we've got uh, Dr. Adele El Naziri, um, uh, a somewhat re definitely regular backstage, but also regular on on stage as my wingman mm -hmm. and Freddie, who you guys should know because he's been on this and uh, 
most of my other previous incantations of this as well um, from H2 Crypto. And that might be a new uh, company to you guys in, who are uh, watching and we'll, we'll learn a little bit about it. But, but first off, let's, let's, uh, um, we want to talk about onboarding the masses. But before we get into that subject, um, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm like so distracted by the chat tonight. I'm just watching it and getting excited. But Michael, Amber Group, uh, tell us about it. Give us a little bit about your background. I'm, I'm really excited to hear about it. I know you guys are gonna be participating next week at LA Blockchain Summit as well. So really uh, happy to have you here. Sure, thank you, Alan. This is uh, great. Uh, so Amber Group, for those of us uh, who don't know about us yet, uh, we are a global uh, crypto finance platform. Uh, so we started four years ago by uh, six of us uh, out of uh, uh, banks, out of uh, uh, tech firms like Bloomberg, etc. So, you know, for the first two years of the firm, we were more or less a uh, institutional uh, focused uh, uh, crypto, uh, I guess, boutique investment bank. So at the time, you know, we facilitated trading, facilitated execution, structured products, oral lending, etc. Uh, for you know the, the billion dollar hedge funds or the 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 uh, family offices alike, right? But over the last two years, uh, we've broadened uh, our service scope to global consumers as well. Uh, we are actually able to bring the same grade of battle proven uh, uh, crypto financial services to our global customers as well through our product suite. Now we have a mobile app, we have a web portal. We also still to have our 24-7 voice services desk. So now what uh, Ember enables our customers to do is really pretty much everything under the sun as related to crypto financial services, you can find it with us. So whether that's, you know, as simple as, you know, you want to on-ramp or into crypto with fiat or off-ramp, to you know, you have a really large trade that you need to do. You want to do it at a block price or, you know, use some, uh, algorithmic strategies to execute that. Do you have cryptos and stable coins you want to earn, say up to 10% yield with us, or you know you have crypto as collateral to take out some loans. You need to invest in structured products, portfolio, uh, payments with crypto, anything you name it. Very it, cool. It's accessible via Amber and the broader Amber platform. Very cool. So yeah, when I was looking at your site, it looked like a big part of what you're trying to do is bring access to to DeFi to to sort of the masses or to a wider audience. Is I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll call ourselves, you know, a truly a gateway to crypto finance. Uh, I mean, we dedicated ourselves from day one to this mission, and now the firm has grown from the six of us to over five hundred globally, and we're still oh, wow. getting to the same mission. So, you know, I think we are pretty committed to that long term. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I think um, we were just talking about it either before we went on or was I talking about it with somebody somebody else, like all these meetings blend together. Um, but it's it's really exciting to see sort of the um, the onboarding in, into the masses, right? You know, I'm seeing every day um, either friends who are who are saying, hey, how can I get an NFT? Or people yeah. who, you know, for years maybe would call me and ask me something that was like not, uh, I don't want to say it was like a, a um, 
like an uneducated question or, or something that's that's condescending but like they would ask me a question that was clearly like not super informed yet but they were, were interested but then you know it was still too intimidating like they'd call me up and be like should i buy some bitcoin cash my friend told me it's faster than bitcoin like should i buy some and you're like whoa, 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 hold on <laughs> we need to talk about this a little bit more before we uh just go into doing something like that and then you know but today it's a much more informed decision it's much more exciting but i think that having groups that can get can hold your hand that can walk you through it are really really important and yeah, fr- yeah you know freddie i want i want you to introduce uh h2 crypto because i know a lot of people know you from coin squad and what you were doing there but um tell us about h2 crypto a little bit absolutely coin squad led into this um h2 yeah. crypto is a next generation cryptocurrency exchange and the reason why we call it next gen is because we're going to be offering 24 7 365 support uh, through an AI slash human hybrid model. So we're, we're very excited about this and onboarding is definitely one of um, my specialties personally. Um, we're currently at a 2.75% of the global population that's, in, that's invested in, in crypto right now and uh, less than 1% uh, into NFTs and what happens when we get to 5% and 10%. And all, all of these people that, that want to invest, they, they don't have the technical skills to go about doing so. So we want to be the forefront of um, the industry of being able to contact uh, someone at all times to get assistance. I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest problems in the space, right? Like you can everybody's amount of dollars, you know, or amount of money um, is you know it, the the amount that is meaningful to them it's it's a sliding scale right like to me it might mean 50 bucks is is meaningful and somebody else might be ten dollars and somebody else might be a thousand dollars um and i think that that's the one of the biggest problems with crypto in general if you follow the comments on like a coinbase post or a binance post or a Kraken post, it's just full of pissed off customers who are like, I made a deposit and I can't reach a human being, right? And more, it's just more so important for people, especially when they're onboarding, to have somebody they trust on the other line, somebody they can call. And when you were doing Coin Squad, that's why I loved what you were doing at Coin Squad, right? Like you were holding people's hands and onboarding them into crypto. That's not exactly scalable in the way you were doing it, but I know you're building technology to scale it even further. And, and it's exciting that it's going to be tied to an exchange now. So really, absolutely. Really that was, that was all things before. And now, now we're yeah. just kind of centralized into one solid entity and we've made it really easy to use. And it's kind of interesting that you brought up the, the $50 or the $10 and things like that. Cause our uh, mobile applications can have the, and our web applications can have the ability where you can go in and just one click 50 bucks, hundred bucks, $500, $1,000, or you can customize it and do whatever you want. Well, you purposely made it easy to go in. And uh, if you're comfortable investing, we're not going to tell you what to invest in, obviously. But uh, we, we try to make it e- as easy as possible. With payments, so. Yeah, I, I love it. And then la- last but not least, I want um, Adele to give us um, uh, a little bit of, of background on what you're doing. I know what you're doing is onboarding the masses in a totally different way. Um, uh, you know, uh, Michael and Freddie are both talking about it from an onboarding investment perspective or getting into crypto, getting into NFTs eventually and stuff like that. But you're, you're sort of um, 
serving the unbanked and, and doing some things like that. Tell us about DLN and AlphaFin and, and everything. So, so I'm an OG in the field uh, in spite of me. I was kind of like doing research in, uh, on uh, machine language and uh, AI and so forth and uh, unknown field called trust networks when uh, it became blockchain uh, because it's an extension of, of that field there. So all of a sudden I'm like in the field seeing and observing and it's like a dream come true looking at all of the stuff. And uh, one common theme that we had throughout uh, the years is uh, talking about we want to bank the unbanked. We want to uh, address the masses. But the first wave of ICOs and so forth came and gone and we haven't done anything. So uh, especially during the lockdown and kind of like uh, looking at DeFi where we focus on how can we uh, uh, emphasize on the returns, like how can we optimize that? I was thinking, how can we optimize the impact? How can we turn the whole unbanked people actually to be banked? And you'll be surprised that there are today 2 billion plus people that are unbanked. They don't have a bank. And if you don't have a bank, you cannot transact. And more important, you can't get a loan. And if you can't get a loan, you cannot start a business, you cannot do anything. So I am trying to take that angle and go where uh, nobody can venture to go in the sense of like, how can we get the message? The people that are trying to borrow small amounts, but millions and millions of them. How can we help the people go? Because if you uh, give a, a person a loan, you help one person, but teach a community how to manage lending, then you've, they can solve all the problems by themselves. And we have the technology. We can do it today. That's what DLN is all about. I love it. Yeah, it's so important. And it's funny, you know, we were pre-jumping into this. We were talking about the creation of DLN. You were talking about how you met us on blockchain booze and all that stuff. And it's it's pretty great, this community that's come together. We joke and, and talk about, um, uh, we joke and talk about, Sorry, people in the chat are talking about Kiwis right now because uh, one of our regulars is in New Zealand and I posted an emoji of a Kiwi. Um, hey, cheers. Adele. cheers. Um, uh, so, um, so, but I know a lot of you, Michael, you're in Singapore, you're drinking coffee. Um, we just posted somebody uh, in the comments said that they're in Tonga um, uh, and, right. and uh, they're drinking coffee with us. So. You know, we don't discriminate. Drink whatever you want or don't drink at all. Um, we're, we're here to hang out. Um, but but it's it's exciting, right? We're blockchain booze number 83 community no longer as to be, you know, Freddie and I were talking before we got on stage about 805 startups, a local startup community next to where we live, right? Which, you know, shout out to them. But community doesn't have to mean right here in this geographic location within the you know driving distance of my condo it they're can, all in the metaverse anyway so community can, all virtually yes it doesn't even mean the globe it can mean the metaverse which is even better right like it can be anywhere anytime and we can invent the the anywhere and anytime right like um, that's that's the beauty of of where we're at and we met adele and he was sort of, you know, talking about these micro loans and, and these opportunities using crypto technology. And I swear a few months before, right pre-COVID, I was sitting in a bus at a, an event. We were driving from one place to another, overhearing Joseph, my partner, and a friend of ours, Sid, who's the uh, director of the Draper Venture Network, basically talking about the exact same product Adele wanted to launch, but Adele with DeFi had created, or at least um, uh, uh, 
mapped out the actual engine that could make it happen, right? And this is all because we're meeting in these different places in the metaverse, in the real world, wherever wherever we end up being. And it's 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 so much fun. And um, so I will say to the people who are who are messaging uh, from LinkedIn, from uh, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere else. Um, hop into meet.blockchainbooze.io if you're back there and you have questions for Freddie, Michael, or Adele, um, shoot them uh, back there or for me. Um, you know, we've been talking mostly NFTs the last few months uh, on blockchain booze. And <laughs> I see Adele. You know, what's funny is I posted in um, the Discord uh, for Boring Stone. Uh, this is an NFT campaign some of the blockchain booze members uh, put together and some of our friends put together. And I posted, you know, this one is going to be mostly about onboarding people into crypto. And then I shared the picture and I saw Adele's face on it. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> We're going to end up talking ridiculous crap about NFTs for an hour because Adele has cra- as crazy of ideas as I do or maybe crazier. But but let's stick to the, to, to the main sort of onboarding um, for now. I think I would like to hear from Adele first on this because I think it's a different it's a different answer maybe for the developing world versus the the, the non-developed world. But you know, for Adele, for what you're building, talking about micro loans and bringing in unbanked people in the crypto, what's maybe the biggest hurdle for? for bringing in mass adoption or bringing in the masses into our ecosystem? So there are about like three or four hurdles uh, in there. And I got uh, like, I got a, a, t- a, t- a little bit of humility to like understand when you go on the ground and like really start working with the people. Number one, they don't know what crypto is or blockchain is, and they don't frankly care about that. They care about what makes their life easier. So if you make the system much easier uh, to use uh, make it uh, friendly. Use the current existing technology that they are used for. Uh, for example, we're speaking over TCP/IP right now, but nobody understands uh, how it works uh, in there. I, I know because I studied it, but uh, the people want to just click it on and it works. That's what they want to do. So that's one one big uh, hurdle around that UI UX is another hurdle of like you know when you are talking. To people and say like hey let's start by creating uh you know accounts in uh, metamask like what's that and they keep teaching all of, all of the stuff they want to just maximum get an app on their system and then log in just like facebook or any other thing that they can use today and work through that that's the second thing and the third thing especially in developing countries and so forth is that um also people know of english they might have a language barrier so localization plays a really big role. Uh, in DLN, we've had to translate the interface into uh, uh, Bengali and into Arabic so that as we are going into every jurisdiction, we are basically uh, translating that. The final thing there is to be constant of the uh, jurisdiction compliance and all of those pieces there. Because if you truly want to reach not uh, uh, 10,000 or 100,000, but you want to reach 10 million, 100 million, a billion people uh, in there, you will have to make sure that you are in compliance of the current uh, uh, regulations on, on the ground so that you you don't have any speed bumps. And that takes time, takes uh, uh, work on the ground. You need to go and, and actually talk with the people, uh, address uh, monetary authorities, talk with them, say, like, hey, we're doing this, everything is clear, here is our process, here is what we do in the KYC and all that stuff. And I'll, I'll throw a little bit of a bone to Frederick here because one of the biggest thing is 
people want to talk to somebody. So even on our app, we've created a chat system so that we can have the people talk. And finally, like uh, to Michael around, uh, okay, how do I connect to my actual banking uh, in the back? Because, you know, not everybody want to remain into crypto. You want to go and buy a sandwich and you want to pay the vendor in there. Sometimes when you say like, hey, I'll give you some Bitcoin. And so like, I'll give you something else. You might not like it. Uh, so those were kind of like the lessons that I have learned uh, through that. Patience, uh, sustainability, and community is everything. Like push through it. Are you, other effort. Are you seeing, are you hitting any hurdles in these countries that you're targeting um, with, uh, with, you know, governments or with uh, with legal issues in terms of uh, um, utilizing crypto, are there are there legal barriers to crypto adoption in some in most of these places? And which places are you most targeting? You obviously, if you said Arabic, you're targeting some of the Arabic countries, but yeah. Where so I, I that's a great question, and I started in the most difficult areas. So it's gonna like give me the the most regulated, the most poor areas of the entire globe. Uh, so that's where I started with India, and it has a lot of, of regulations going there. I have not set foot in India myself uh, in there, but uh, uh, through the uh, uh, an on-the-ground MFI. MFI is a microfinance institution. They are the ones existing on the ground. So instead of thinking about let's create a peer-to-peer -peer app right away and have people uh, 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 doing loans to each other, if you do that, governments will come and say, like, wait a second, what are you doing? Who's transmitting money to who? We want all of those secrets. But instead, I'm basically said, okay, who is on the ground? MFIs. Let's talk with MFIs. Let's embrace what they are doing. Show them a better system. Like, here is how we can facilitate that. Here is how we can generate your money. So uh, the MFIs that I'm talking with is like, I'll give you 3% plus on doing the exact same thing that you are doing today, but just streamlining the back end, how your operations work. And then from there, we uh, enhance what they are doing by showing them you, you are not alone. Once we verify uh, the, who you are and verify your uh, users, now the world becomes a truly global village that we can now go. Because in a banking system, if I want to send money to you, to our cousins uh, in Africa, we'll pay 45 bucks each, even if you're sending 100 bucks, which is a big sum. But on yeah. a blockchain... You can just do that like on, on, on Casper, it's like a few cents and that's it. It's done. And it's very quickly. So you guys are building you guys are building on Casper? Yes, because we looked at, at different uh, networks and there's a lot of them out there. Ethereum is not usable for uh, micro lending, micro lending small amounts of money. So you need a, a fast network that is cheap, that is uh, immutable, focused on uh, uh, enterprise institutional uh, application. And that's uh, all Casper is it's, uh, terraforming right now and great things are being added on him. It has a cool. really great environment using Rust in the back end. Let's, let's plan a uh, blockchain and booze session soon, maybe after the summit next week, where we uh, bring some of the other friends of ours who are building on Casper and learn more about it. I know uh, some, of the, some of the old LA crew are uh, building on Casper. They're no longer in LA because everyone's traveled around the world. <laughs> um, but uh, some, of, some of the people that, that have spent time at our events um, are there. I'd, like, I'd love to learn more about it. Looks like some of the people in the chat are into it too. Um, so, so Michael, I, I would like to get from you, you know, from your perspective, you know, with Adele, we're talking about the developing world. We're talking about people that don't have bank accounts, things like that. I know you're onboarding to get people into financial products. So by definition, 
It's probably uh, somebody who does have a bank account. So what's what's probably the biggest hurdle from your side to bring to onboard people through, you know, to the Amber products that, that are being offered? Uh, I think that's a great question. Actually, you know, first, uh, we actually, uh, for us, right, actually, we uh, our, our, our user base is as broad as it gets in the sense that, you know, even sort of, uh, you know, unbanked population. And, and a lot of, actually, you know, surprisingly, a lot of, you know, well-educated, you know, young uh, folks at many developing countries, right, they might not even have a bank account, right? They have a good income, they have a good education, but, you know, they sort of uh, directly jumped through that in a traditional banking mm -hmm. era and directly into, you know, what we call the neobank era or the e-wallets era. So a lot of them are already doing the payments, they're saving their deposits through some sort of uh, e-wallet app, potentially, you know, uh, some some of this, you know, yeah. that I could uh, use primarily an Ember product for that. Um, so, you know, back to your question, right? What are the main challenges in onboarding uh, users uh, globally into the crypto ecosystem? I, I would say, you know, two things. The first and the foremost one is definitely education. As Adele uh, mentioned, you know, a lot of the users in the end of the day, right? They, you know, unlike, I guess, everyone on this panel or, you know, many of our audiences, you know, us, you know, uh, a lot of uh, the potential users, a lot of the mass market users, right? They're not super familiar with crypto yet, right? They, they have heard of Bitcoin, of course. They might even have heard of Ethereum and other tokens. But if you ask them to really, you know, uh, tell you about, you know, what blockchain really is or, um, you know, how does it really work, right? They might not have the perfect understanding. And do they have to have that to benefit from the whole technology and the whole ecosystem? I actually don't think so. I think they need to have, uh, you know, the basic knowledge, the basic understanding to not get scammed and to, to, you know, actually choose the right product, choose the right services. But in the end of the day, not every user has to be a blockchain expert or an engineer. Neither do they have to be some financial expert, right? So, you know, they need to be educated in ways they can understand, in ways they want to listen, in ways that are not overwhelming or intimidating to them. I think, you know, a lot of the folks uh, in the crypto ecosystem, uh, um, you know, tend to, tend to underestimate that, you know, because uh, day in and day out, we are talking crypto, right? So it becomes so natural to us. We would assume it's so easy and, uh, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer to, to others. Uh, that's unfortunately not the case yet, right? Yeah. So that's education, you know, in ways users can actually understand in ways that are, you know, they feel that this is something for them rather than, okay, yeah. not for me. This is too intimidating, right? Uh, secondly, you know, you got to give them an easy enough experience and, you know, enough um, enough reasons to overcome. There will always be an initial learning hurdle with any products, crypto or not. Yeah. Right? So you need to give them enough reasons to overcome that initial learning curve. And that could be, you know, like Adele said, you know, this could be cheaper for them. This could actually save them a lot of money. The user experience could be a lot better once they get used to it, or it's a lot more convenient, or it could be a bit of everything. You know, what Amber, uh, Amber Group does in a way is to make it easier and, you know, actually deliver what we call the long-term value to the end user, whether the end user is a billion-dollar institution 
or you know a, a young person just starting uh, his or her life, right? Uh, they all want the same thing. They want a better products. They want a product that's easier to use, so it's convenient and saves their time. And you know they want something that they can understand, right? If you combine these three things, actually, you tend to have a very powerful product. And uh, I think you know whether uh, whether that's someone already have a bank account and you know wanna wanna just wire easily from their bank account to ours, right? Which is you know very easy. They feel feel very safe. You know, they, they feel the whole environment is very regulated and compliant, right? Or if it's someone who doesn't even have a bank account yet, but has an e-wallet in, say, Latin America, you know, Africa, Southeast Asia, wherever they are, right? They want an easy experience to transfer that money into from the e-wallet to our wallet. Yeah. So enjoy a better interest so they can spend it, continue to spend it easily. So they can actually, you know, invest in a lot more attractive products rather than, you know, the limited choices are offered in their local markets or what's successful uh, currently for them, right? So yeah. this kind of empowerment, I think, is done through technology. You know, uh, I mean, crypto as an asset is appealing. Crypto finance as an underlying technology, I think, is even more appealing and it can benefit a even broader uh, consumer base. Oh, for sure. I think we, you know, in the United States, especially when you say e-wallet, for example, I didn't even know what you were talking about at first. And I was like, oh, yeah, all the wallets that people use in other parts of the world, except for here, because here we're like trapped essentially into the current banking system. They built these walled gardens and we're kind of stuck in them unless you're a crypto nerd. Like The other day I, I tested a crypto product and I borrowed money from a crypto product. And the money went to my normal U.S. bank account same day. Like I, my mind was blown. I did it on my phone, clicked I agree. And literally I checked my bank account a few hours later, it was in it. And then I went to send wire the money back to pay back the loan the same day. And it took me a week to get it from my actual bank account to wire to that group because they wanted me to come into the bank to sign a document. And so I called them and argued with them. And I was like, I don't want to go into the bank. And I made up, I was like, you know, it's COVID times. I'm not coming. So, so do a zoom meeting with me, verify my identity that way, whatever you want. And I argued with them until finally they made an exception for me, like three days later and wired the the money back to my account uh, at the, the other product. But it was so funny because it was one of the first times ever where I used a crypto product where, you know, always with crypto products, you don't have to, you almost never have to interact with humans to get it done and you can do it in a fast way. But the product is usually clunky and shitty <laughs> or you have to learn to use a wallet in a situation yeah. that we've gotten used to. So it feels normal to us. But you know that if you were looking over somebody brand new's shoulder, they'd be so confused. Right. But like it was a simple product in an app. I was able to wire money to my bank account straight out of it with just clicks and verifying identity on my phone. It was very easy. But then the, the hurdle for me was actually getting the money back to the crypto world, um, which it was the first time I ever had that issue. But I also don't try to send money. You know, I, I'm already all in on crypto. So I haven't tried to send money from a U.S. bank account to the crypto world in a long time. Um, but it's it's really interesting, you know. Uh, Freddie, I think I think all of these things, right? What what Adele is working on is actually sort of onboarding people, getting them comfortable. What Michael's working on and what you're working on on the exchange side is all getting people comfortable getting into the crypto world. Yeah. Um, 
how do you envision then, you know, going from, cause, cause I, I know that you are uh, not, you would not be satisfied with just using a simple exchange yourself, buying uh, some, some crypto and holding it, right? Like I know you're super into uh, hash graph and, and all that we've talked about in years past, maybe not anymore. I'm just throwing something out there, but like you play around and you, you start to get into it. And I think that the easy education, the part that Michael is talking about is like so spot on, right? We need to get people comfortable and get them in. Once they're in, if they want to dive down the rabbit hole, learn about NFTs, learn about more sophisticated things. They've now, they have now have a, a solid foundation and a team around them, right? So I, I look at you as the team around, uh, around people to get them to the next level. Where do you envision the next level? And I don't necessarily mean what products H2O would bring, but maybe if H2 Crypto will bring other products, but I'm, uh, um, I'm more thinking like I get into crypto or my friend from high school gets into crypto. That's not as big of a nerd as me. How do we get them into NFTs or, uh, uh, what, what do you think is next? You got to listen to the client. The client comes first. So, you know, your long, long-term value proposition, whatever you're creating, we were talking about channels of communication before having that readily available for, for the client. We talked about education. We talked about multilingual. We talked about channels of, of communication. You know, those channels of communication have to be open and readily available. And those channels of communication have to be secure channels of communication. So whether that's an AI chatbot or an email or actually calling in and having the opportunity to speak with a human or, or AI agent, um, that needs to be readily available. And you really got to look into the client in general, individually, um, what demographic are they from? Because old older Older clients, they they want to call in. Um, maybe younger uh, generations, they they want to get in and speak on Twitter, or they want to just use a chatbot and just type something in really quickly, or send an email because they've got the other things to do during the day. But our uh, the client service representatives needs to get back to them immediately. Like service level agreements need to be met, and. Uh, that person's special, you know, that client is, is special and they need to get taken care of immediately. So I wouldn't say, you know, we need to use like the most uh, extravagant thing. You know, you can just really go in and, and use things that are very simple, but just be there and listen to the client. What do they need? And then build your technology around that to be able to um, improve their experience so that they fall down the rabbit hole and then they get interested in crypto and uh, everything goes from there. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think that that's sort of, that's the bridge we have to, we almost have to cross to get like the extreme mass adoption, right? Because when we're talking about financial products, you guys are being, you guys are building them, right? And that's, that's going, that's going to grow and build. And, you know, it'll be as simple as logging into your E-Trade account and buying a stock, but you'll be able to buy, you know, um, those those H bars or 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 Bitcoin or ETH or or Tezos or whatever you want to buy, right? Um, but then then the 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 rest of the financial products I think need a bit of of user experience. NFTs need a bit of user experience, and and also you know somebody did ask in the QA, and I want to I want to just uh, I'll, I'll quickly um, answer it because it's not anything I think related to what we're, we're exactly talking about, but they asked if we'll develop a thing like NBA top shots in the Dapper system. But what I will say is, you know, 
what they did is really smart, right? They they realized that the value to the end consumer is are those cards, are the NBA moments, are are that's the experience. And they didn't they knew they didn't need to build it on Ethereum so that the average person who watches the NBA could come buy a pack of cards. Like <laughs> if they built it on Ethereum, it would have actually been a huge roadblock and NBA top shots probably wouldn't have been successful. But what I'm seeing is that examples of the best parts of that, right? The ease of use and the user experience are being adopted by people who are doing things on other chains, who are doing things on Ethereum. Uh, Calament, one of our portfolio companies at Draper Goren Home, has the ability for you to buy Tezos with your credit card on their site, which essentially means you could buy NFTs with a credit card. They've, they've eased the process, they've made it easier. And each of the platforms is, is beginning to do that more and more. And, you know, it used to be, think about this, it wasn't that long ago. And we think about it as like, like the ancient days for the people who are in the space, but like in linear, normal, everyday time, just a few years ago, almost every single crypto exchange, you needed to onboard with crypto. Like, you know, there was, you know, when, when uh, Kraken and Coinbase and groups like that were allowed you to start using your, um, your uh, your credit cards or your bank accounts to onboard. If your bank account allowed you to onboard onto crypto, you'd be able to do it. But previous to that, and even during that, so many people had to get their Bitcoin by meeting a person in real life on like local Bitcoins or um, or finding some weird workaround or like, you know, doing something semi shady, even though they're not doing anything shady. Like it, it was a, the process was shady. And so that's kind of how it is with NFTs at the moment, right? You go on the Coinbase, you'll go on the H2 Crypto soon, or you go to, to, to Amber Group, you'll buy, you'll buy uh, your ETH, right? And then you'll send your ETH to a MetaMask wallet. And then that MetaMask wallet interacts with the minting site on, you know, desperateapewives.com or wherever uh, you're minting. I was trying to mint there today. So that's why I was thinking about it. Um, but, but I also asked, you know, like, it's ridiculous. Like, is this real life? Like, it's pretty funny, but but nobody's connecting with their with their card. And I remember when we had OpenSea on here uh, about a year ago, we were talking to one of the founders and they asked us, they were like, do you think the price of these NFTs would even be this high if we were actually connecting to our everyday bank account, connecting to our uh, to our paycheck, connecting to our credit card? Probably not, because I think that most of us um, couldn't make that leap. But with magical internet money, you can. So maybe there's a benefit to completely separating the systems and, and having this metaverse life where, you know, one ETH is no big deal, but $3,000 is life-changing. <laughs> one, one ETH is actually worth more than $3,000. So it is interesting, you know, to look at it from those different perspectives. But um, anyway, I think that a lot of folks are building that in. Now, I... Um, I have this question. Actually, um, this this is actually interesting. Um, uh, Jing is asking a question uh, towards Michael, but I think Adele, this might hit you as well. And Freddie, I know you're focused on the U.S. right now, but that that might um, that might change. Um, uh, Jing said, um, "I'm not sure if this was discussed already, or we we haven't, but I planned on touching it. So thank you, Jing." Uh, he said China banned crypto and he sees that um, Amber is based in Hong Kong. So how, how is regulation in Hong Kong? But I know you're also based in Singapore, which is a big crypto hub and a more um, clear jurisdiction. I'd love to, to hear 
what you have to say on jurisdictions and participation uh, globally. Sure. Um, I mean, for, for Ember Group, it's pretty easy. I mean, we are global from day one. Actually, right now, you look at our customer base, uh, right? It's really across uh, the globe. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we started in Hong Kong. That's still, you know, uh, uh, technically our headquarters. But if you look at the firm, you know, we have people all the way from Asia to Europe to North America, Latin America, you know. So, you know, we have a, a and, and our customers as well, right? So, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, the, the regional regulations are important because, you know, I actually hold the view that for uh, crypto finance as a broader enabling technology to benefit the, 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 the mass market consumers, uh, it will actually have to, you know, be compliant with, you know, all the local, local regulators and local rules. Um, that's just unavoidable. Otherwise, you know, you can't even uh, deliver your products properly to the hands of most consumers, which, you know, you, you sort of miss the whole point. Now, in, in, in case, like you mentioned, you know, Singapore, where I am, is actually one of the jurisdictions that I would say has a very clear uh, regulatory framework. And that's important. I actually think, you know, um, the, 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 the most important thing for an entrepreneur uh, is, you know, long-term planning, right? Long-term strategic planning. And with sort of the regulatory certainty and the regulatory framework is, you know, you know what you are, uh, you are getting to, right? You know what yeah. rules you operate around. And in the case of Singapore, you know, uh, there's a clear licensing scheme now uh, around crypto. And, uh, you know, there are more and more uh, sort of uh, uh, openness and, you know, uh, the, the policymakers are proactively thinking about, you know, how to regulate the industry, how to even support the industry and, you know, how to, how to protect the consumers and all of that, which, you know, I think fundamentally are important. Elsewhere, you know, uh, some, some jurisdictions, it's more, uh, it's clearer, some are less clear, but, you know, I think at the bottom line is always the same, you know, um, I think, uh, Crypto or not, right? You gotta comply with some of the basic uh, uh, legal components, right? You just, you know, uh, do your KYC ML properly, right? You don't yeah. scam small investors, right? You don't scam any investors, and you know, you you protect them from you know products or you know uh, investments that are not suitable for them, right? I think you know, um, the crypto community is sort of underestimated the importance of these simple but essential things right um i mean you know um in the end of the day right I, I know we argue about you know like data privacy and all of that right but at the same time you know crypto had a little bit of a bad history in the beginning because of you know bad actors right and nowadays you know you, you sort of want to to bring it to the daylight to bring it to to mainstream you sort of uh, have to you know uh, do your best as crypto entrepreneurs to really separate yourself from all these stuff, right? And also, you know, I think uh, in the day, a lot, like you said, you know, um, people people tend to underestimate, you know, one ETH in the end of the day is around four thousand dollars, right? So, you know, if if you give people a highly speculative product and they lose, you know, a lot of ETH, they do lose a lot of money that can actually change their real life, right? Uh, so, so in a way, you know, um, on one hand, of course, you know, I think, uh, admittedly, right, everyone, I guess, on this panel or 
you know, everyone's being crypto long enough benefited from all the, all the, all the craze, all the, you know, all the, all the, all the, all the a lot of the speculation flooding in. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, long term, you know, do you want that to be the core theme of crypto? I would say not. Right. You want a crypto to be actually usable. You want a crypto to be actually in the hands of everyday consumers rather than crypto being uh, cornered into uh, this highly speculative assets, which, you know, a lot of people make a lot of money from that, but more so, you know, uh, 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 alienating, you know, what, it, uh, what, what the, the broader use of it is, right? Well, so, yeah, uh, I think I think that's that's the crazy thing about crypto that's so exciting is, you know, the flip of the business model. And and everybody knows who's who's watching and part of the blockchain boost community. I'm constantly talking about Lunar Crush. And this is probably the longest other than mentioning them as a stream that I that I brought them up. <laughs> but this week when they launched their product or last week when they launched their their new app, they they flipped the the SaaS business model completely over. But the ownership business model that crypto has kind of flipped uh, is is crazy, right? Like to think that I've been a Wells Fargo customer, for example, actually not really anymore because uh, I'm so I, I'm so fed up with them. But I got a, an account at Wells Fargo when I was like 15 or 16 years old when I got my first job and I had to lie on my age and I knew somebody who worked at Wells Fargo. So even though I didn't have a driver's license to show the age, she kind of let me create an account. So I have an account there for over 20 years, if that means, right? And I don't own a share of Wells Fargo stock, right? But at one point when Uniswap decided to decentralize their ownership and, and, and bring basically, you know, reward the masses for participation, I received tokens for my usage of their protocol, of their yep. system. And it's very common in crypto. I always joke with people that I'm constantly spending money experimenting. I spend money on gas fees. I cry about it all the time. You know, we all go to fees.wtf and, and literally say what the, what the F. Like, it's crazy. But then all of a sudden, oh, that thing that Adele and I were texting about a year ago and goofing around with, dropped some some tokens for me and uniswap dropped some tokens for me and the more you participate the more you might own but what's funny about that is that that's what community banking was supposed to originally be the the earliest banks in in history people would pool together and do what adele is doing they'd support the farmers in their communities they'd support each other and they take care of each other and essentially they, they would own the community bank together the community would own the bank and it went completely one direction for so long. Now the pendulum is swinging back. And I think that's, that's part of the beauty of it all, right? Like we need the people who are building to, to be good actors and to weed out the bad actors. And I think that's crypto is really good at that. The smartest people, you can't scam the smartest people in the world for very long without getting completely wrecked. Like, and, and time after time, the hackers and the people that do that get found out because the crypto community comes together and, and gets them, right? Um, and hands them on a silver platter to, to the regulators. Um, but, you know, you want also the regulators to stay out because certain ideas like ownership are somehow uh, a, a monopoly of, of governments and regulators. Um, but crypto is flipping that. And that, that's the exciting, I think the exciting part and people who are good actors like, like Amber Group, like H2 Crypto, like, like DLN, what, what you're building Adele, 
is, is onboarding the people into that new mindset. And I think young people have that mindset. They care less about ownership of, of certain things like houses and cars, stuff like that. Digital goods to them are just as real as real goods to maybe the, the older people among us, uh, like me, right? I go to my comic books at my parents' house. That's cool. I show my kid a comic book. To him, that's cool. But the digital version on an iPad is cooler. He likes NFTs just as much as his Pokemon cards and probably more. Like that's, that's a, a paradigm shift, right? And so digital goods, you know, uh, I'm watching the chat. Um, uh, I have my, my screen set up so I can watch the chat backstage, the, the people. And I'm seeing David Rankin, one of our uh, uh, regulars, talking about selling his, his properties on crypto voxels and how he's got a couple a couple uh, spots still, you know, waterfront. And, and we're talking about, they're talking about speculating and buying and selling real estate on the metaverse. Um, that's, I, I truly believe my kids will be more into the ownership of that than if I can somehow level up my personal life and get us like a vacation home. Like they probably would care more about, you know, yeah, but did you buy that land in uh, Decentraland? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm, convinced that that will mean more to them 20 years from now than than this stuff um and it's it's mind-blowing right um freddie i i want i want to to hear you talk a little bit because um we've been going but like i think um and and i'll jump into the qa so anybody actually let me just throw out there really quickly to everyone i'll bring that thing up oh i'm looking at the wrong screen uh, <laughs> uh I think what was the headline on Boring Stone? It said something like blockchain booze is terrible host makes no apologies. So here I am, guys. Um, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io if you want to ask questions. But in about 10 minutes when we're done with hanging with the crew, you'll be able to turn on your camera and hang with us as well. So um, go into the QA. I'll power through those in a second. But, you know, Freddie, I'm, I bring up, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing and pulling on, on all this stuff. And I'd like to get, you know, your perspective because pre H2 crypto, you were helping onboard, you know, sometimes, you know, by default, if it's somebody that could, you know, afford to pay somebody to being their wingman and, and do something, you were, you were helping people buy, you know, big buys or set up their hardware wallets, do some things like that and really help onboard them in that sort of real world helping people on, you know, it's been a long time since I you know, looked over somebody's shoulder and said, okay, here's how to use MetaMask. Um, but, you know, from, from that perspective, I would like to get your opinion on in these last, you know, three, four years that I've known you, probably four years plus that I've known you helping people onboard into crypto, have the products become significantly more usable? Are we still, um, well, you know, utilizing like wh why is metamask still the best browser right like best because we don't have anything else and you know it, it's still difficult to use a ledger and a treasure wallet and walking somebody through the whole process of updates and and transfers 3000 miles away when i'm remoted in on somebody's computer um it it is it is difficult sometimes but people appreciate it you know um when people are scared they want somebody to reach out to and i make a comparison it's kind of like having children and then teaching them how to swim for the first time like you want to push them away and let them do their own thing but when they need somebody to grab back onto if they're in the water you have to be there you have to be like that life preserver so to speak and that's how you get people migrated into crypto yeah 
Well, you know what? There's a question from Daniel that's great, and and you would be the the perfect person to answer it to. Is what is what do you think is the the minimum viable onboarding process to get non crypto users, you know, interacting with crypto daily? Like, what is the one main obstacle that that we face? Um, I would say. Uh... There's too many. I, no, I would say unique identifiers, just making sure that it is that person who says that, that, that they are that person and making sure that, that they, they're accessing their account. That's, that's I think good. you're, you're looking at it from the, from the perspective of make like maybe protecting the exchange or using it from the exchange. And I can tell what mindset you're in right now, but, but always. I think, you know, Michael did say education. And I think that's a big part of what you've always done. You always host the local meetups. You're always teaching people and onboarding them. And just getting them comfortable with the idea, right? Um, yeah, you, you've got to gradually get them into, again, falling down that rabbit hole and getting in, into a certain type of crypto or a certain type of community. You've got, you've got to gauge gauge their understanding um, because a, a lot there's it's a steep learning curve, and you got to make it easier for them and get them into one. Once they're into purchasing something or it, whether it's a certain NFT or, or it's a certain type of cryptocurrency, then they start seeing the value in it because they start getting into the ecosystem and talking to other people that are into it. And then, then they get into another group, you know, so they, they might be into Ethereum one day and then the next day they're into Tezos and then they're into Hedera and internet computer or something. But it, it's uh, it's just gradually getting in, getting them into it, and getting them acquainted with this new technology and how it works, mm -hmm. so to speak. Interesting. Yeah, I um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill a couple of these questions back here really easily. One person, uh, of course, anonymously asked, um, <laughs> "How much have you spent on gas?" Uh, well, uh, my only public wallet is a long dot ETH. <laughs> and you can look at that yourself. Uh, go to fees.wtf and put in the the address for long dot ETH, and uh, you can you can cry with me. Um, I don't even want to look. I don't look anymore. It's because I think about all the times. So think about a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, Adele, when we were like testing NFTs, testing how to do an airdrop for NFTs, yep. creating NFT contracts, and spending like an ETH and going shit. I just spent. $300, but one ETH today is like four grand. Um, so you get, and it shows you how much ETH you spent on gas and today's value, which is the, the scary part. I don't even want to know. I think that the education will eventually pay for itself uh, better than, you know, it'll have a higher return than most universities. Uh, sorry, Adele. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm 100% with you. I think um, that- Okay, uh, um, you know, maybe this is, might be one of the last questions. Um, I want to- um, uh, Jing had a few questions, you know, related to, um, uh, Coop, I see your question. That's going to be way longer on, on creating a whole NFT platform. We should just do a meeting separately or do a hangout session specifically about how to launch an NFT platform. I've done it, um, on Tezos, um, with, uh, a thing called, uh, open minter, but it, it takes some time and it'll, it's tough, not easy, but we can, we can do a whole session on that if we want to. Um, but Jing is asking um, again about sort of China influencing, um, uh, if not controlling Hong Kong, and and wants to know. I guess um, you know I'll paraphrase a little bit, but he's, he wants to know the future, Michael, of of you know how is uh, you know the political future of Asia in relation to crypto. 
I think, you know, you, you kind of answered that before, but, but, but maybe instead of the now, uh, what, what do you think will happen? Do you think uh, China rolls back their ban? Do you think, uh, again, uh, what do you I, think? I don't, see, I don't like to speculate on uh, policies because, you know, I think I used to be actually... I used Speculating to be on crypto is much more predictable than politicians. Uh, actually, actually, I think there's, there's, it's interesting because, you know, I used to be a, a macro trader and a macro hedge fund manager, right? And, you know, one thing I learned in my previous career was, you know, the, the prediction uh, is already hard, right? Predicting yeah. timing is the hardest, right? But actually, you know, surprisingly to get the mega trend right is a lot easier than both. You know, to get the mega trend right, you just need to have some firm belief in what you think fundamentally is right and use your common sense. And likely than not, you know, uh, you, you tend to do better than this, right? Then try to timing what could happen or when that happens, right? So I think, you know, the, the mega trend I believe in is, you know, everything moving digitally, right? I mean, you know, especially post-COVID, most people live yeah. their life on the internet rather than off it. Right. And therefore, you know, um, uh, if we use the fancy word metaverse again, right, cliche <laughs> about it, you know, you do need a whole ecosystem around it. Right. And you need, you know, uh, you need money in it. You need a transactions in it. You need economics in it. You need financial services in it. Right. All of that needs to be done in digital native formats. Right. So, again, you know, I see crypto cryptocurrency as an asset. Right. Crypto finance is the underlying technology is at the moment, you know, by far the best option for that, right? I, I, I'm not saying, yeah. you know, tomorrow there won't be another completely unimagined uh, technology that can do a much better job for that. It could be, who knows, right? But yeah. as of right now, right, based on current knowledge, right, crypto finance as the underlying technology to enable the digital economy to enable all the services we need in that kind of digital lifestyle is probably the best choice. And therefore, you know, I think that's a mega trend that we're going to bet on. And in between, you know, when and the where and the how that happens in each region, in each country, for, every, for each person, it's going to be different and uh, sort of unpredictable. But, you know, yeah. that's why, you know, again, you know, you got to, I think you got to do two things, right? As an individual, as a company, as an organization whatsoever. One is stick to the mega trend that you really believe in. And secondly, you know, play smarter, right? Like, you know, uh, if you are a company, right, operate in regions first or service customers where you can service uh, first, right? That's a big enough global market with 7 billion people, right? I'm sure you can find your user base somewhere, if you are an individual, right, start with things you're most comfortable with, right? You know, it could be simple things as, you know, get your dollar from your fiat bank account, like you said, from your Wells Fargo account you had since, since childhood into a, into a crypto account, a stable coin. Suddenly, you know, you have, you know, quite a few percent of yield pickup. So, okay. Suddenly you have yield. <laughs> exactly. Suddenly you have the yield uh, at all, right? So, you know. Yeah. Start with simple things. Then, you know, you will get comfortable with Bitcoin. Some might be immediately more interesting NFT. Actually, NFT is really interesting. We've had customers, right? You know, uh, users, customers that, you know, didn't really buy into Bitcoins even or, you know, the whole crypto asset thesis, 
right? They they actually parked their their the dollars with us as stable coins for for yield pickup, right? But when FT came NFT came out and it became popular, it actually resonated with them more. They immediately skipped through, you know, yeah. the I guess the Bitcoin Ethereum uh, stage and went directly into NFT. Some were even frustrated. Uh, saying, why do I even need to buy Ethereum before I can buy NFT? I just want an NFT. I don't even want Ethereum. So therefore, you know, we help them, right? We directly sort of, you know, you know, on-ramp them from fiat even directly into NFTs, right? It's okay. You know, different uh, people gonna uh, gonna start with different things and everyone gonna find what's suitable within this mega trend for themselves, yeah. right? So now back to your yeah. question, right? What's gonna happen in, in, in Asia broadly uh, or, you know, globally, right? Uh, which country is going to adopt first? Which country is going to adopt last, right? It's very hard to speculate. Yeah. But in the end of the day, right, you know it's going to happen. Or at least I firmly believe yes. it's going to happen. So stick to the mega trend. 100%. I mean, we, we, we've gone through the technology cycles now and each technology cycle happens faster. I've, I've talked about this in the past, but my first job outside of being like a teller at a bank and low man on the totem pole there was at MySpace, right? And back then, you know, social media was brand new and nobody could have ever dreamt of watching a full length movie over the internet. And I was around before that for eBay launching and buying things on their pre-PayPal and having to go to the, to, to the post office to get a, a cashier's check to buy something over the internet to send in the mail because people didn't trust sending checks in the mail or, or maybe I was just getting scammed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all of these things happen and the cycles happen faster and faster. Nobody thinks of, you know, a startup or a company as an internet company anymore. Every company is an internet company now, right? And and the, what we're today discussing, um, you know, digital currencies or cryptocurrencies or you know, digital assets. Um, people aren't going to think of digital assets as digital assets. I, if you would have asked me when I raised money for my first company um, about ten years ago, if it was if I used digital securities, I would have said yes. I sent everybody their docs to e-sign and they use a thing called sign now and they e-signed it. Some people signed it and scanned it and sent it to me, but I e-signed every document. Is that not a digital security? Like, what are you talking about? Right. But the definition changes. Now you think of a digital security as one that is purely digital and whose rights are managed digitally and where the waterfall of, of capital might be distributed digitally and all these things. Right. I think you're spot on, Alan. I actually yeah. think you know, the example you gave, right? We're going through that. Right now, right, people call, I guess, you know, Amber or, you know, our companies on, on this panel, crypto company, right? I think, you know, in, I think, maximum five years' time, right, that term was gradually fade out, right? Like you said, no no one calls it, you know, a, a internet company, right? I mean, there's, yeah. you know, still like the internet industry and the internet giants, but like every company, by default is an internet company right you know yeah. and you look at uh, the current space right you know especially you look at the traditional fintech i know that word sounds funny right but like you look at the last generation of fintechs right that all the all the robin hood revolut uh, cash apps alike they're becoming crypto company yeah and you know i think that trend is going to continue and eventually you know it will be harder to be uh say a finance company or fintech company without being a crypto company then yeah. i mean there, it was 
you know, I, I spoke to, I don't remember if they said this publicly, so I won't say the exact bank, but I spoke to one of the world's largest banks um, about Bitcoin and uh, about a fund and about their investment banking group. And they straight up said, we have a problem with our wealthiest clients because every dollar that they put into Bitcoin is a dollar that leaves our bank because of compliance reasons, because of whatever reasons they don't have Bitcoin custody. So they know, they know this, right? And so it's, it's the beginning of the end. Guys, we've got to wrap it up, but I want to give everyone a chance to give a plug and point people into the direction of, of where you're going. In the meantime, I just really quickly, on my last time, I'm going to say meet.blockchainboos.io. Um, come there if you want to turn on your camera and talk to, talk to me and some of the crew in a couple minutes. Um, and also, LA Blockchain Summit is next week. Next week's episode will be uh, sort of live in the LA Blockchain Summit system. Um, so it's going to be the only one uh, that we're not doing in our normal system. And I'll share the update with everyone. I'll send some emails and things like that. But it's going to be fun. Uh, I think Punk Apestrong might host that one, not me. He's going to give me a break. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. There, we're working on some surprises. And all of you regulars, I hope you come. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with some pri- surprises and prizes and things for, for the, the top community members uh, because I feel like this is a big milestone. It'll be episode 84, a little under two years, but I don't care. I'll, I'm going to call it the two-year celebration or something. It's going to be uh, fun. So Adele, um, why don't you give us, tell us where to go for DLN um, uh, before we sign off. DLN.org and uh, add DLN Dow and uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So just hit me up and come help with the community. Love it. Freddie, uh, you know, do you have any updates on uh, H2 Crypto launch? I know that yes, we're launching soon and the website will be up very soon. Okay. So cool. you can you can go to h2crypto.io and sign up for our mailing list right now. Um, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And thank you. Love it. Uh, and Michael, uh, where's the best landing page for Amber Group, and where do we follow you on social? Uh, it's fairly easy. Just type ambergroup.io at your browser. You get to a homepage. You can find our products, download them, start using them. Uh, find me on Twitter. Find us on Twitter. I guess you know with the handle Amber Group IO or, you know, find me at M- uh, Michael Wu Amber. Uh, happy to chat. Awesome. Thank you guys so much here. Look, uh, Matt Bozio, who's our director of events, is sitting and watching us right now on YouTube. <laughs> awesome. uh, he's working his ass off right now preparing for LA Blockchain Summit. So thanks, yeah. Matt. Um, another one we brought into crypto from the outside world. Uh, I love it. Although he was getting into it and that's how we, we discovered him. But uh, amazing. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to call on all of you guys to be my wingmen on future uh, episodes and come, come join the show. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys soon. I'll see you. All three of you will be at LA Blockchain Summit. Um, sure. I'm, I'm so excited for that. And I hope everyone else joins us there. It's free. And there's even a few different ways to earn some crypto by participating. So we pay people every year to come learn about crypto. So no excuses. Come. We'll, we'll hopefully give you your first crypto if you don't have any already. Um, thank you, everyone. Go to meet.blockchainboost.io.